Well, of course, tonight's Halloween, and uh, where the church was the evening of the church before All Saints Day, and the evening uh, where prayers for the dead were often uh, said. And I wondered when Richard gave me this word to speak, regeneration, that he did it with a little twinkle in his eye. And I thought being, you know, to life and that. So the word we're going to look at tonight is, is regeneration. And I wonder what you think when you hear that term, regeneration. What does it sort of conjure up in your mind? Usually you hear it on the news, don't you? They talk about, oh, there's going to be a regeneration in this town. And we're going to, you know, renew it and get it. The inside, the center of the city is going to be brought back to life again. And so we're going to regenerate that. Or perhaps it's a business that's looking to change what it does. And they're saying, we're going to regenerate our business. We're going to you know, think outside the box and do something a little bit different. I wonder is that what you have in mind when we think about generation, regeneration. Sometimes when we come to think of theological terms, though, and it's a theological regeneration we're going to look at tonight. And sometimes when we come to that, we use words in theology that maybe are not found actually in Scripture. And therefore, it's a little bit difficult. They're, they're words that we use to describe something in Scripture. But fortunately for us, regeneration is actually used in Scripture on two occasions. And we're going to see as well as that, that there are another of other words and ideas used as a concept for regeneration. But when we look at these uh, scripture references of regeneration, they're slightly different. The first one is addressed more globally and the second one is to the individual. And we're going to let's have a look at the first one tonight. The first one's found in Matthew, uh, Matthew 19 and verse 28. It'll be on the screen. I have the verses up on the screen, and it's just the one verse. And it says here that Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, in the age when all things are renewed, the word there is regeneration. If you're reading it from the King James, it'll say regeneration. In the age when all things are renewed, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, Jesus is making a, a comment here in response to questions from the disciples about what their place is going to be uh, when his kingdom comes in. And Jesus takes them right away to the future, right to the end of time as we know it, when he points forward to this cosmic renewal, the, the, the new heaven the new earth, that's the context here. It's taking it right forward. When all things are renewed, all the earth that we know it, the heavens as we know it, heaven as we know it, it's all renewed. The new heaven and the new earth. So that's, that gives us some sense of this word regeneration, the idea of, of renewal that we're seeing here. And we're going to see this come up time and time again. Then the second one, I want to read a bit longer this time, and it's really regeneration with regard to us as individuals and its place in our salvation. And that's really what we're going to focus on this evening. And for that, our readings from Titus 3. Titus 3, and again, I'll have it up on the screen. And uh, here, we're in, Paul's encouraging Titus about what to do, and he, he sort of looks back and he speaks here, and he says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing 
our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves for good works. These things are excellent and profitable for the people, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. So here we see the the concept of regeneration, and it's tied in this time now with our whole uh, salvation, this whole idea of salvation. And you can get, you're beginning to get a picture, I would imagine, of what the word is meaning and how we're going to apply it. And you can also see how it ties in very nicely with some other portions in the Bible that maybe don't use the word regeneration, but they, they bring out the same concept, the same idea. Uh, probably the, the most famous of these is Nicodemus and, and his discussion with Jesus, uh, where he makes the comment about um, being born again, the, the idea of a, a new birth. Uh, and we're going to, to look at that some uh, later on. So we get this idea of in John 3, there's a couple of references there. There's verse 3, verse 5, and verse 7. And they will um, just remind us a little bit about that. But we also have the idea, too, of recreation. So we, if we have renewal, and, and we have we've seen that and mentioned in Titus, uh, and here we've got the new birth in John, but we've also got recreation, and 2 Corinthians 5 reminds us that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you get, you gain the pictures building up here. Regeneration, renewal, rebirth, recreation. One other one I want to mention is the idea of spiritual resurrection as well. The idea of spiritual resurrection. Ephesians 2.5 But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ By grace you have been saved. And by the way, did you notice as we read through a number of those verses, the mercy and the grace and the love of God being brought out time and time and time again? Wonderful. You know, so what we're actually looking at, this idea of regeneration tonight, it's, it's a miraculous concept that we can't get our head around. It is really, really wonderful. A one line definition could be perhaps instantaneous change from spiritual death to spiritual life. Well, we're coming tonight to think about this, and and really, I suppose, if we want to dig a little bit deeper, when we think of these big words and these theological terms, we have to sort of ask the questions, you know, the type of questions like uh, why, how, when, what, you know, those type of questions. And that's what we're going to do We're going to tease this out a little bit further and and start with the why question. What's the need for regeneration? Why do we need 
this. And to find the answer for that, of course, we're going to turn to this most familiar passage of John. I'm going to read uh, a number of verses from, from verses 1 to 9, but the important ones here are up on the screen, verse 3, 5, and 7, that really are the emphasis. But just to remind us again of the context. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Uh, so here's the the. The why, if we go back a slide, Ian, just, just keep it back a slide. So we're still on the, thinking about the why. <laughs> Jesus makes it very clear, crystal clear, why we need to be born again. Why? This is, it's a, after all, this is a, a familiar theme, isn't it, in Northern Ireland? And we talk about being born again Christians. It's absolutely crystal clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's why we need to be born again. That's why we need to be born anew. That's why we need to be recreated. That's why we need the renewal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It is as clear as that. Sin has broken our relationship with God, the Holy God. And because of sins in our lives, we need to have our sinful nature fundamentally altered and remember that this was also in the Old Testament. I, I've been reading through the, the book of Ezekiel this week, and uh, I thought, right, I'll bring these into the message, because Ezekiel 18, uh, we, we read, you know, about the soul that sins, it'll die. There's no doubt, as clear as that. And by the end of that chapter, God is urging his people to repent from their sins. And then we got this prophecy, this wonderful prophecy that we often think about. Chapter 36 I will sprinkle clean water in you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now can't you just put yourself in Nicodemus's position here? He's coming to Jesus, and Jesus talks to him strangely about being born again as the, the need to be able to enter into the kingdom of God. But as Jesus talks, you can almost see Nicodemus's mind going click, 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 back to the prophecy in the Old Testament. Yeah, right, I'm with you. I see the point you're making here. This is where Ezekiel said that, you know, we need the Spirit to change us. We need God's Spirit to change us. So Nicodemus is, you know, um, it really, 
we have a big problem, of course, because there's nothing that we can do to change our sinful nature. And Jesus is emphasizing this to Nicodemus. And of course, we read in so many other passages, don't we, in the New Testament, there's nothing that we can do of ourselves. It's all uh, this of, uh, and Nicodemus realizes that, and he, he, the question he comes up with is, but how can these things be? But how can these things be? So we're under the, the how question. Regeneration, how? How can this be? And I guess to answer that, we need to think about, well, who is actually involved in this? Who is the responsible party in this? Now, when we think about creation, we think about God as a creator, don't we? That's our, our simple position, God as a creator. But then when we read into creation, we see that Jesus is involved in creation. But we also see in Genesis that the Holy Spirit is involved in the creation of the earth. We see again in Genesis that the Holy Spirit is involved in the creation of the first man, where God's Spirit is involved in the action of in breathing into uh, the first man. And then we, we also know that the Holy Spirit was involved in the conception of our Lord Jesus. So God, yes, God is the creator and the active agent is the Holy Spirit here. And so uh, uh, what we're finding with this idea of regeneration, this idea of new birth, that God is the one that imparts a new birth through the action of his Holy Spirit in our lives. So when Nicodemus asked a question, how is this going to happen? Well, then we're seeing that it's God and it's solely a work of God. It's nothing to do with us. Nothing, nothing to do with us. It's solely a work of God. Think about earlier in John 1, we read this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Regeneration is a work of God and solely a work of God through his Holy Spirit. Just want to say there's a couple of things not involved here that sometimes we can get mixed up. What's not involved is, is the idea of human transformation. Oh, I turned over a new leaf, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm going, to, I'm going to be good living now. That idea. And so the person says, right, I'm going to I'll go to church, I'll read my Bible. But they haven't really been regenerated. They have decided that they're going to be more Christian in their life. It won't, it's, not, it's not enough. It won't work. And nor is this idea of hereditary uh, regeneration as well. The idea that you're born into a Christian family. And therefore, uh, you are a Christian or born in a Christian country. That makes you a Christian. It doesn't. And we're quite clear about that as well. So regeneration, a work of God through his Holy Spirit, solely a work of God, nothing to do with us. Well, when does this take place is the next question that we want to think about. When does regeneration take place? And here... Uh, there are a number of different opinions and people hold different viewpoints and they can be confusing and misleading. I'm not going to go into them in any great detail tonight, but I want to mention them and then 
it's worth taking time to go home and think about these and study them more deeply yourselves and see what conclusions you come to. And you, I can certainly do that. But the first one I want to talk about is, does it take place at baptism? A lot of Christendom believe that regeneration takes place at baptism. And that is the, why they build in the importance and the need for infant baptism to take place. Now, we're Baptists. Let's face it. We're here because we're Baptists because we're convinced that Scripture teaches, uh, doesn't teach that. Scripture does not teach that baptism is necessary for salvation. Far from it. But Scripture teaches that our baptism is the uh, symbolic, the physical showing of our change lives in Christ where we stand up and we count and say, look, I'm standing with Christ and God here. And so um, we firmly would reject the idea that regeneration takes place at baptism. It would mean, for example, that people who were never baptized, who, uh, like the, the thief on the cross, would not be in paradise with Christ because we wouldn't have been baptized, so we wouldn't have been regenerated. Uh, so, anyway, baptism. But if, if baptism is not here, well, what, what's Paul saying when he talks about the washing of, re, of regeneration? Uh, and when Jesus talks about you need to be uh, born with water and the Spirit, where's this all this water into it? I, I think it's worth just thinking a little bit about this. Uh, for a moment too, if it's not about baptism. Well, there's a couple of ideas here. And one is that, the, that Jesus is making an emphasis that the Holy Spirit is the person or the active agent involved in, in this. Here's a few verses to think about. They're not on, on the screen. Jesus, for example, speaking here uh, to the crowd, says, On the last day of the feast, the greatest day, Jesus stood up and shouted out, If anyone is thirsty... Let him come to me and let the one who believes in me drink, just as the scripture says, from within him will flow rivers of living water. And then it says, now he said this about the spirit, whom those who believed in him were going to receive, for the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So here's a picture of the Holy Spirit being associated with the idea of water. Isaiah 44, verse 3, For I will pour water on the parched ground and cause streams to flow on the dry land. I will pour my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your children. So there's the, the idea here, perhaps, that Jesus is sort of saying, look, you must be born of water and the spirit. You must be born of water. You know, even the Holy Spirit, it, it's a double emphasis. So that's, that's one idea and this concept of, well, what, what's meant by washing of regeneration? What's the idea of, of water involved here? The idea I like best actually is one uh, that's put forward by the like of James Montgomery Boyce and, and others as well. And, and that is washing is also used, and the idea of water is also used to refer to God's word. Jesus said in John 15, already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. In Ephesians 5 and 26, Paul says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, 
having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. 1 Peter 1 and 23, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The concept of being born again, but it's the word of God here that's involved. Jesus again in verse 24 of chapter 5 of John says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life, has not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So here's uh, the idea that, you know, it's perhaps the washing is referring to the Holy Spirit, but also the washing could be referring specifically to God's word, And it would emphasize the need and the importance of the preaching of God's word and the teaching of God's word. How are people to know that they need Christ if they're not able to avail of the preaching and the teaching of God's word? How are people going to be saved if they go to a church where God's word is barely opened and a a, a little moral thought is given? That's it. That's why God's word is central to us here in Dundonald. The preaching of God's word. Vital that people hear it. But then another issue associated with the the when question is uh, many hold the view that we are regenerated before we come to faith. Because look, we're dead in our sins. And because we're dead in our sins, we need to be made alive, like Ephesians said, as we read earlier. We need to be made alive in Christ. But others equally argue, well, no, wait a wee minute. Um, we need to believe first uh, and then regeneration follows because uh, why does God call on men to repent if they can't repent because they're dead? Now, if we go down this line of argument and we start to tease this out tonight, do you know what could happen? We lose what we're talking about, the miracle of regeneration, If we start to discuss and to debate and to think only in these things, we move into a different field. We go off to a tangent and we go into this whole debatable area between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, both of which are taught in Scripture. And for hundreds of years, people have not been able to reconcile. They haven't been able to work it out. People have come to different viewpoints and different opinions. And it's going to be the same here tonight when we leave. We've come in with a particular view. We'll leave with a particular view. So perhaps it's what Paul said here to Titus, isn't it? You know, are these things excellent and profitable? But are the discussions and quarrels unprofitable and worthless? Let's be careful. We, as Christians, are to encourage each other and build each other up, not tear each other apart by falling out over things that one day in eternity will reveal because we can't understand them why we may hold a particular viewpoint. We may never understand the life, the working of God in all of this regard, uh, so let's not get too excited about it. But you know, it's a wonderful truth we're thinking about here. God has worked in people's lives, and he, he has recreated them in the image of Christ. He's renewed us. He's He's re- we're, we're born again, we're made new creatures, and we've become recipients of eternal life. Let's, that's what we're really thinking about. Just to finish off the question of when, though, I, I personally, I'll just state my own. Personally, I'm very comfortable with the position that regeneration takes place 
in a miraculous way through the Holy Spirit working at exactly the same time as the same Holy Spirit has illuminated the individual to be, and given the individual the faith to be able to believe and trust and put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it just happens like that. And there's evidence when you're, when, when you're, what, it, what happens after that because lives are changed. So that's where I would stand, which is slightly different from the first couple of ones I mentioned. But what does this mean? What, okay, so we've, talked, we've now begun to see that regeneration is talking about renewal, a rebirth, a recreation of our lives. Well, what does it mean? What, that's the, the last question we think about. What does it mean? Well, the big thing is we're born again into eternal life. Born again into eternal life. Born again into eternal life. Get, that, get our heads around that. This is wonderful. This is an amazing act of God. And, and we've already thought about justification and adoption over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, that's all part of this in a way, isn't it? Justified in Christ and adopted into God's family. And we're made and we're recreated in the image of Christ. Scripture teaches that as well. And then, of course, the process of sanctification, which we're going to look at in another week, that really, in that sense, that's the starting point. That's the genesis of it. That's where uh, we can then begin to look at our lives and have God working in our lives to bring us more like Christ as we grow deeper into him during time. So it means initially quite, and it needs more than that, of course. I, these are just a few, but those are a few things. But it actually has an application into us as well, uh, as well as a, what about how it changes us? What else does it mean? It changes, for example, our attitude. For example, how do you, how do you treat each other? Jesus says by this uh, men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. When we display Christian love, and people do talk about that, and believe you me, they really do. Um, yeah, you, that's, a, that's a great group of people there. They, they, really, they really care for each other. They really look out for each other. They really love each other. That's how regeneration, our new attitude, our new lives are changed. Our attitudes are changed. The way we interact, the way we treat each other, and other people. What about our interests? Ah, well, maybe great sport on, yeah, great interest. And all of a sudden, our, uh, the person who was big into the sport or big into something else, all of a sudden, wow, I want to read my Bible. I, I want to learn more about God. I want to come to church. I, I want to be with God's people. I, I want to have God's word open to me and explain to me. I, I want to study it. Yeah, you know, our whole interests change. Our attitude, our interests. What about our actions? Uh, our focus for our lives. So often our life focuses is on ourselves, isn't it? But when, when we're regenerated, when God's Spirit works that miracle of new birth in our lives, all of a sudden we find, oh, well, you know, it's not about me. It's not about what I can get. It's not about my life. It's about laying up treasure in heaven. And not about the possessions or the things I have on earth. And then, of course, is this new life of righteousness. Now, look, it's not about sinless perfection. 
It's the desire of sin is removed from us. And when we do sin, and we do sin, and when we sin, don't we feel the guilt and the weight of it in our lives? Because a desire for sin is removed from us. Uh, and and the, the whole idea of the realization that we're sinning against a holy God. Regeneration is wonderful. Regeneration is something that everyone needs to have happen to them. You must be born again. I, um, a few weeks ago, another grandchild was born into our family. And every time a child is born, it's wonderful. It's a miracle. We look at birth as a miracle, don't we? This is a miracle. To conclude all of this, this is, a, this is a miracle. God is the source of life. We were dead in our sins. We've been made alive in Christ. And we're made alive to eternal life. When you think about it, it really is truly amazing what God's doing and what God has done. God's Spirit has opened our eyes to the truth of God's Word. Made us see our need and are aware of our sin. Made us aware that we need to put our faith in Jesus for forgiveness of our sin. Gives us the faith to believe. Makes us a new creation. Brings us into God's family and his kingdom. And we receive eternal life. Regeneration? It's wonderful. If there were any here that don't have God's spirit, know that regeneration, haven't worked in their lives, you need to be born again. Amen. We're going to listen to a piece of music now. Who made me to know you? It's not one we could sing. I think the words are going to be up in as well. Thank you. Okay. Well, listen to this and then we'll move to observe the Lord's Supper after this.